Ecclesiastes is one of those peculiar books in the Bible that causes you to stop and do a double take. It was most likely written by King Solomon, even though some people will debate that, in his later years of life, and he is basically reflecting upon the meaning and purpose of life. And through four different sermons, Solomon shares his reflections about life, and he's speaking from his own experience having strayed from God, And uh, Solomon concludes that life without God is meaningless and hollow and empty. And Ecclesiastes says that our highest purpose in life is to revere God and to keep God's commandments. But in chapter 3, he does conclude that there is a time and a purpose for everything under heaven. He says a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A beautiful passage of scripture that you will often hear at funerals or at graveside services. During May, I want to preach a brief sermon series that ties in with Ecclesiastes, but that is also based on a book that was recently published by David Brooks called The Second Mountain. Uh, I've always enjoyed Brooks's writings. If uh, you are here, you probably know that because I quote from him often. But if you're looking for a summer reading book, I would recommend The Second Mountain. It came out a couple of weeks ago. But David Brooks started writing this book when he was in a very uh, rough spot in his life, a very dark place in his life. His Marriage uh, had fallen apart and was coming to an end. He was lonely. He was hurting. He was coping with life by basically throwing himself into work, being a workaholic. And Brooks was trying to make sense of life and what it's all about in the big picture, in the grand scheme of things. And so in this book, he argues that life consists of two basic mountains, two mindsets, or two worldviews. And so today I want to present these two uh, to you because I think they're fascinating. On the first mountain of life, we seek to establish ourselves. We, we leave home. We go off to get our education. We break away from our parents. We become independent. We start to build a career and work towards having success. This is the mountain where upward mobility is very important. Uh, so is survival. Uh, We want to be respected by others. We want to do things that will matter and that will be viewed as significant, as important. Uh, Brooks says this, on the first mountain, we all have to perform certain tasks, establish an identity, separate from our parents, cultivate our talents, build a secure ego, try to make our mark in the world. And people climbing the first mountain spend a lot of time thinking about reputation management. They're always keeping score. How do I measure up? Uh, uh, where do I rank? On the first mountain, there's a lot of time and emotion that goes into asking that question, what do other people think about me? How do they view me? What do they say about me? It's on the first mountain that we, we date and we begin to look for a spouse. 
We want to meet somebody with whom we can share and build a life together. And this happens faster for some people than for others. But generally speaking, I think people are getting married later in life, which I think is a good thing because they get time to discover who they are and what they want out of life. Choosing a spouse is one of the most important decisions that you will ever make. Once we get married, then many of us will try to start a family. Much of the first mountain is spent tending to the needs of our family. All the mothers that are here this morning can attest to the fact that raising a family and taking care of children is anything but easy. It's busy, it's exhausting, it's tiring, but it's also incredibly rewarding. On the first mountain of life, there is a lot of fear. Fear of failure, fear of rejection, Fear of not measuring up. Fear of not gaining the respect that you thought you deserved or needed. Ego plays a big role in the first mountain. Ego drives us to be successful, but it also drives our disappointments in life when we don't achieve the success that we had hoped for. Brooke says that on the first mountain, there are some lies that our culture tells us that we tend to believe. And he actually names five of them. I'll tell you them really quickly. He says the first lie is that career success is fulfilling. But not all people find deep fulfillment in their career. It's certainly nice if you do. The second lie is I can make myself happy. It's the lie of self-sufficiency. But many of the things that we do to make ourselves happy simply don't last. The third lie is life is an individual journey. It's not. Life is a journey that we share with other people, and that's what gives it meaning. We are social creatures. The fourth lie is you have to go find your own truth. This is the lie of postmodernity, that everybody gets to choose their own truth in life. But there are some universal truths that need to be taught and passed down from generation to generation. Something like the golden rule and living by it is an example of that. And the fifth lie is that rich and successful people are worth more than poor and unsuccessful people. This is the lie that our culture tells. And Jesus certainly did not agree with that. We should treat people equally regardless of what they have or what they don't have. Much of this first mountain mindset goes all the way back to the 1960s. How many of you were around the 1960s? I was not. Back to the 1960s when there was this rebellion against institutions, a desire to be free, and, and a concentrated focus on self. But now we've taken that focus on self too far. And in many ways, it's become a big problem. Much of our culture is all about self. So Brooks says, when a whole society is built around self-preoccupation, its members become separated from one another, divided and alienated. And this is what's happened. The rot that we see in our political system is caused by a rot in our moral and cultural foundations, in the way that we relate to each other, in the way that we treat each other. We don't listen to each other. We don't respect each other like we used to. And this heavy focus on what he calls hyper-individualism has now led to a rise in mental illness, suicide, distrust, and loneliness. And many people feel alienated from the rest of the world. They feel like nobody cares about them. And, and their cyber friends on Facebook are not an adequate substitute. 
Then there's the second mountain of life, which is a major shift in thinking and in how we see the world. Sometimes we choose to move to the second mountain on our own, and sometimes something happens in life to throw us to the second mountain. Cancer, a divorce, suicide of a friend or a family member, an addiction, alcoholism, bankruptcy, unemployment. There are all kinds of things that can happen in life that will cause us to stop and say, is this all that there is? Is this all that life is about? Surely there's got to be more. I feel so empty. I feel so let down. I feel like there's something missing in my life. We get sick of the rat race, constant competition, trying to prove who can accumulate the most money, the most stuff, the most status. It might be fun for a while, but then it grows old. And we realize that so much of it is superficial. The second mountain requires a major shift in our priorities. And Brooke says if the first mountain is about building up the ego and defining the self, the second mountain is about shedding the ego and losing the self. If the first mountain is about acquisition, the second mountain is about contribution. If the first mountain is elitist moving up, the second mountain is egalitarian, planting yourself amid those who need and walking arm in arm with them. Different people move to the second mountain at different times of their lives, and some people never move there. They spend their entire life clawing and climbing and scrapping and seeking to conquer the first mountain. But the truth is, there really is no summit to the first mountain. Because as soon as you think you've reached the top, you look around and you find out somebody else has more, somebody else has more success, more money, more status, more things. And so people who spend their entire lives on the first mountain will find themselves very, very lonely and isolated. The second mountain is marked, he says, by four commitments. Vocation, which may or may not be the same thing as your job. Hopefully you can align your career with your passion, but some people don't get to do that. But vocation is very, very important in making a commitment to a vocation. The second commitment is to a spouse and a family, which requires ongoing sacrifice and selflessness, as all the moms here this morning can attest to. I heard somebody once say this. It's a, a, a counselor. He said, you know, if we put half as much time into choosing our spouse as we do into picking our kid's kindergarten life might be a lot better. The third commitment is to a faith or to a philosophy, a belief in something larger than yourself, a belief or a guiding principle for how to live. And then the fourth commitment is to a community, to the church, to your neighborhood, uh, to Nashville, to a nonprofit, uh, to a, a place where you are invested, to where you serve and where you give back. And it's only when we make these kinds of commitments in life that we really begin to experience connection and meaning. These are the things that ground us and that make us who we are. Megan and I just got back from a, a trip celebrating our 10-year wedding anniversary. We were married in May of 2009. And um, time goes by fast sometimes, and other times it doesn't. But we spent some time on the trip reflecting about 
the things that have changed over the past 10 years. Primarily, the fact that we have three children now, and that was not the case when we got married. We have a daughter and two sons. We've had friends that we loved and that we've lost over that time. Uh, things have changed in careers, ministry changes, medicine changes. Um, but when you celebrate an anniversary or any milestone in life, you realize that true meaning is found in commitment because that's where relationships are. That's where they're formed. That's where life is lived. That's where joy is experienced. And joy is not the same thing as happiness. Joy comes through relationships. It's not self-centered. Ecclesiastes says, for everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. So what are we to make of this model? This concept of two mountains in life. How do we make sense of it? How do we apply it? How do we think about it? The first thing I would say is this. I don't think that you just live on one mountain or the other. Most of us cannot walk away from our jobs, our responsibilities, our, our families, and just go out and find real meaning in life. It has to be done in the midst of every day. If you don't enjoy the journey, then what good is the destination? Your life is what happens to you while you're busy making plans for something that is to come. Hopefully over time, we can move away from self and we can focus more on other people. This is what Jesus taught. If anyone to become my followers, let them deny self, take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to be great in life must be a servant of all. Jesus said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. These two mountains don't have to be mutually exclusive. They shouldn't be. We don't have to reject all the parts of the first mountain so that we can move on to the second. Enjoy your career success. Enjoy your home. But if you spend your entire life competing and trying to get ahead, you will miss out on some of life's most precious moments. Your kids will grow up fast. They will leave home, go off to college. Your parents might pass away You'll blink and wonder, where did the time go? And why didn't I enjoy it? Like I said on Easter, why don't we appreciate so many things in life until they are gone? Sometimes we need to wake up and we need to see what is before us, what is right in front of us, what is in our midst, and we need to be thankful for it and we need to focus on it. A second thought that I have is that so much of the first mountain is dominated by fear. Think about it. Fear of what might go wrong. Fear of not being important. Fear of not being respected. Fear of not having enough. Fear of not keeping up with everybody else. And living our lives in a constant state of fear is not fun. Jesus says, why do you worry about your life? But many of us spend every day maybe even every hour, worrying about our lives. Where's the faith? Where's the trust that God will provide for us and God will take care of us? There's nothing wrong with working hard and sacrificing, but at some point we have to turn it off so that we can be present with our families, with our spouses, with the people that we love, with our friends. At some point, we have to stop sitting around and thinking, what's about to go wrong? What bad thing is about to happen to me or my family? How am I about to get screwed over again? And we have to just be present. 
A recurring message throughout the Bible, both the Old and New Testament, is what? It's be not afraid. Fear is what drives many people to succeed, but fear is also what prevents us from being able to love God and love each other. The Bible says there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. And so fear is simply a reminder that we need to love more. We need to love better. Finally, a last thought about these two mountains. We know that we have started to move towards that second mountain mindset when we begin to experience more peace and joy in our lives. It's not that the stress completely goes away. It's just that we figured out how to deal with it and how to keep it in check. Jesus says, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. We simply can't find the peace that Christ is talking about when we're afraid all the time, when we're busy all the time, when we're overscheduled all the time. In the book, Brooks really drives home what he sees as the difference between happiness and joy. And we talk about this during Advent at the Christmas season when we light the candle for joy. Uh, we all want to be happy. We all want our families to be happy. But we need to see that there is a difference between happiness and joy. There's a guy named Miroslav Wolf who teaches at Yale. And he's actually made studying joy his specialty. It's his passion. And Wolf says, joy is not a self-standing emotion. It is the crown of a life that is well-lived. Brooks says happiness tends to be individual. We measure it by asking, are you happy? But joy tends to be self-transcending. Happiness is something that you pursue, but joy is something that rises up unexpectedly and sweeps over you. Happiness comes from accomplishment, but joy comes from offering gifts. Happiness fades. We get used to the things that make us happy, but joy doesn't really fade. To live with joy is to live with wonder and gratitude and hope. People who are on the second mountain have been changed. They've been transformed. And moving to the second mountain, I think, means doing more things that will allow us to experience joy. You know, I look back and one of the greatest trips that I've ever been on was the first time, the only time I've been to Guatemala. And there's a Guatemala trip later this year. If you want to experience joy, let us know and we'll sign you up for that trip at the end of October and you'll experience joy in that country, being around those people. You know, all of the mothers here today know what it's like to live on both mountains. I was uh, texting with Farrell yesterday, just working on her prayer, and I said, you know, mothers have to live on both mountains. And isn't that true? But some of the most difficult things that we take on in life are the things that bring us the greatest joy. And when we look back over the years, then we know that it's been worth it. I have a notebook that was uh, my mom's when she went on uh, what's called the Road to Emmaus. It's a, a retreat, a weekend retreat in Memphis. And she did this years ago uh, before she passed away. And it's basically an intensive weekend retreat, like three days. And in the notebook, she wrote this down. It said, spiritual qualities of a follower of Jesus. And they included a faith that is always growing, serving others in humility, maintaining an undying hope, and learning to love others the way that God 
loves us. Amen.